Welcome to the Immigrant Finance Podcast, a show dedicated to everything money, online business, and immigration, because immigrant families deserve to build generational wealth too. I'm your host, Adina, social entrepreneur, immigration attorney, and financial educator and coach for immigrant families. I created the Immigrant Finance Platform with my husband, Mauricio, who immigrated to the U.S. eight years ago after we struggled through the whole process of trying to figure out finances as an immigrant family alone. We wanted to share what we learned about building wealth with others along the way and created the Immigrant Finance School Group Coaching Program where we teach immigrants and their families like you how to manage their money, get started investing, and build online businesses in just weeks, all with group accountability and support. Our clients have been able to get started investing and develop lifelong plans to build generational wealth regardless of their immigration status actually launched an online business they've been dreaming of starting for years, bring in enough income to leave a job with a shitty boss, and book up their calendar for the rest of the month just after announcing their new coaching business. I'm coming to you with a new show several times a week with stories about online business lessons, money and mindset insights, and guest interviews to help you become financially empowered. Each episode will switch between personal finance and online business topics. Now let's get to this week's episode. All right. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Um, We are just getting started for a very exciting presentation today. I'm, I'm Adina again from Immigrant Finance. For those of you who are new to this group, um, we're playing this live in the Facebook group. It's also going to be on the Immigrant Finance podcast later. So if you're listening on the podcast, hello, thanks for joining. Um, And we have a very exciting presentation today to learn all about taxes, specifically business taxes, when you are a new um, online business owner or just starting a new business. This is a topic that we've gotten a lot of questions from. There's a lot of confusion in the community. Um, So we're very fortunate to have the expertise of Mayor Vias, who's here to join us today. He's a CPA, um, so he's an accountant and knows a lot about this stuff and is going to be sharing his wisdom with us, answering questions. Um, So if you are listening, go ahead and comment below, say hi so we know who's here and we can engage with you, ask questions as we go. Um, We're really excited for this presentation. And with that being said, um, I'll just, I'll let you introduce yourself. Go ahead if you want to say a few words. Sure, yeah, thanks, Adina, for having me. Um, Excited to, you know, uh, talk taxes, which is most people are not, so I enjoy that part of it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, um, my, you know, my background is actually in finance originally, and then I became an accountant by accident, just by virtue of being, working for a large firm uh, for 10, over 10 years, and before that, I worked for some tech companies, Uh, finally went solo after a, a little while, and then I've been doing it. Um, I have a business partner now. We have a staff of seven, and we work with almost exclusively entrepreneurs, small businesses, um, often with folks who uh, originally did not. Uh, you know, it's like a lot of our clients are business owners who started their business, not really having. Um, you know, kind of dealing. With, we'll get to the taxes stuff later, which is fine. And at a certain point, they realize, okay, we need to get get on board, and that's that's kind of how our business started. So we work with a lot of people who. Um, Went, went hard and then realized you need to clean everything up afterwards. So I know a lot of stuff of what, what not to do. So happy to talk about those things today. Got it. Okay. So, so uh, having our community learn about what to do in the beginning is, is a good thing then <laughs> instead of having to clean it up later when you haven't been thinking about taxes, it sounds like. Yeah, I know. It's, and you know, it's, and the, the laws keep changing, especially these days with, you know, the last, you know, three years of extreme tax changes this last year alone with all the CARES Act and then the, the one they just yeah. passed in December and we're going to have a new administration uh, tomorrow. So there's going to be more changes. So yeah, whatever um, high level stuff we can talk about and maybe some predictions of what might happen this year. Um, we'll get, get into all that stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, just to get started, um, let's talk a little bit about your story. I know that you come from a family of immigrants and your wife is an immigrant. So I'd love to hear just a little bit st- more about your connection to the issue of immigration and your family. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, my my 
my parents came in, in the 70s um, a while back, you know, uh, both of them had, you know, my dad especially had his nine to five job. He was originally a student and then, um, and then you know, worked a nine to five, but he always had some sort of side hustle going on. Um, Cause it just, you know, it's just one of those things that it is, they want to keep uh, it just, as you know, like at a certain point, you just kind of like, you have that, you have that drive to do something different. So that's my dad, but I would say my mom was the true entrepreneur. I mean, she you know, didn't really speak English. She, you know, came here from India uh, with my dad and, uh, you know, she actually got like some retail jobs, learned English, Sesame Street and stuff. Uh, she did, she side hustled on a, she actually did her own like hairstyling salon type stuff for years and finally went solo, but on opening her own salon and showed me the, so I really saw her work her butt off and, you know, to make herself successful. They're both retired now. Um, you know, I still take inspiration from them while not directly, like I mentioned, I worked in corporate world for 15 years doing this business as a side hustle, which I just mentioned. Um, it was my wife essentially who was an H1B worker. Um, you know, she's been here about 10 years now and she worked crazy 14 hour days. You know, that's the nature of having no workers rights being an H1. <laughs> Despite all that, she still obtained her, her doctorate and the MBA despite the challenges. It's, while she has her own story to tell, it was her who convinced me like, to go solo and to truly pursue this, uh, becoming an entrepreneur myself. Um, yeah, and so anyways, uh, made it official uh, about five years ago and quickly learned that startups can't pay the, the mortgage. And that's why I explained to you, like our business expanded. Uh, my, my business partner, he's also immigrant from Taiwan. Most of our staff are immigrants. We have a few H1 folks ourselves. Um, and yeah, it, it's, it, I like surrounding myself like with people who just love to, here's what we have. And just because you become, you now you're officially a citizen or something doesn't mean that like, okay, you can coast. Like, hey, we still have that hunger. We still have that drive. And, and that's, what, that's what a lot of our clients are. And, it, and it's just exciting to be engaged with so many people like that. Oh, I think you're still on mute, Indina. <laughs> right. It's so great to hear how um, the entrepreneurial spirit of your parents as immigrants and your wife has impacted you and your business and uh, even your business partner. It's so exciting. Sorry, I'm not sure why this random number keeps calling me. I apologize. Um, yeah, and it, it's just really, it's been really great to connect with you. Um, I know that uh, a common colleague of ours connected us and when he heard about what we were doing immigrant finance and your experience with finances and and having immigrants in your family and your business partner so it's been really nice that's connection and have someone to reach out to who can talk about taxes who understands actually what immigrants are going through and specifically immigrants interested in becoming business owners so we're just really grateful for your time here today and enlightening everyone with your experience um, and I see we have a couple of people coming in. If you're, if you're here, um, welcome. We're here to talk all about taxes for new online business owners. Uh, go ahead and say hi in the comments so we can give you a shout out and feel free to ask any questions that come up for you as, as we're chatting. Um, great, so you told us a little bit about um, your connection with immigration issues in your family, starting your business. Tell us about how it was building a business um, on the side while you were working full-time, because that's what a lot of people in our community are, are considering as well. Yes, definitely. Um, you know, it was definitely difficult, um, you know, because the work job I had was, it was a consulting job, you know, you work uh, pretty long 12 hours is like an average you know it's often more than that and there's the travel involved and all that good stuff um uh, it really just kind of i to be honest it wasn't it, there's no way it could have uh there's no like perfect solution way it would have been it was just kind of like hey you have a free weekend you have a free evening i mean it, that's really when the work would get done um when you're still working somewhere, it's hard to do business development in many ways because you're really relying upon friends, uh, word of mouth. Those are my first clients too. A lot of it was pro bono too. It was um, mm -hmm. former friend, colleagues, coworkers, even some former clients who were off doing their own ventures. And um, it was more like in our hanging out back then, there was no Zooming. We all chill hanging out in person, right? <laughs> it would come up over a beer or something. And then that's where we're like, okay, let's let's actually discuss this properly. And then we set up a call or we meet up at someone's house and kind of go through things. And that's really how my business started. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, so 
uh, yeah, to, to answer the question, like it, it's hard to balance it, especially if you're working like, like, like most of us are like unreasonable amount of hours and these days stuck at the computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes it, it's, it's just the only option, right? I mean, to, to take that financial risk to start a business, it's nice if you can have a salary giving that stability um, until you can get it, get it built up, start building clients. So that's good to hear about how you would find your first clients and that led to having a successful business today. Um, well, let's go ahead and jump into this topic of taxes for new business owners, um, particularly in our community, immigrants and their family members who are thinking about starting online businesses. So just to start out, someone who has never had a business before, they've um, either you know only worked for an, an employer or maybe they've only been like a contractor or a consultant um, for themselves. What is the first thing they need to do when it comes to taxes for thinking about starting a business? So yeah, um, first thing is, this may not even be counting or tax related, like you first should determine like, is this a viable thing? So like, you know, um, the, so here's the ridiculous thing. The, legally, if you make over 400 hours, you're required to report that uh, to the IRS. And even if you make under that, they still want you to fill out a, you know, report. Um, you still want you to report that income. Um, that's an old law going back to the 80s, which they need to update, um, you know, because back then, even 400 hours wasn't that much, but it's nothing now, right? So, um, the type of business you have is going to depend on what do you want to do with the business? Like when you create a business, you have to think five years in advance, which I know is very hard. It's hard to see even one year when you first start a business, even six months, how this is going to be. The reason I mentioned the five-year part of it is because um, you have, it, this is the legal entity discussion. You know, are you going to, we'll get into the details here, but are you going to be a, a sole proprietor? Are you going to be a partnership? Are you going to be like a C corporation, an Inc? Like, let's say you're going to exit like a start, like these tech startups, if you can be bought out by someone someday, all those things. All of this is important because this is the legal question, Adina, you know, you and your group can answer because if you, the legal, the legal entity is the foundation of your business. Everything grows out of that. Like you have the soil, right? And this is, this is the ground, uh, the ground part of it. And if you don't have the right thing from the ground, like your whole business it won't crumble, but it's like, it's kind of a pain in the butt to have to convert to a different type of entity. You know, going back, you have to refile other tax forms. You have to get new uh, EIN numbers. There's all sorts of things that are a headache. So the first thing is just kind of figure out what is what is your kind of five-year plan at a rudimentary level, and then you can create the right entity. Okay, great. And if and if, let's say um, you forget to think about creating a legal entity, or you're just overwhelmed and you avoid it, whatever. Um, can you operate as a business without any type of legal establishment? Can you just start selling things and providing offers, making money? Um, is that legal even? Yes. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, not everyone is gonna, a lot of businesses fail, right? And that's a sad reality. So not, so it's not, not the government doesn't necessarily expect you to create some entity right away. That's more of a legal protection thing and just makes it easier later on. But yes, if you see a viable business opportunity, especially these days, you can sell things online, goods, services, everything like from coaching to drop shipping to everything. There's a lot of things available for folks to make like a side hustle. You don't have to create a legal entity. Um, the easiest one I'll just mention is the LLC. That's the mm -hmm. simplest one. Um, so you can go and do it. There's a, the 1040 is the standard a tax reporting form we all are used to. If you file taxes in the U.S., you've done the 1040. Uh, Schedule C is the is the where you're going to report your income and expenses from this business, this simple business we're talking about. Um, so yeah, you can get started and report on your Schedule C. That's that's not a problem. Great. And talk to us about the difference between Form 1040 and Schedule C. Do you file both? How do you know which one to file? Correct. Yeah. So think of it like 1040 is like the book. This is like the taxes. Uh, Schedule C is, let's say, page three in that book. Okay. So Schedule A is the itemized deductions. So like people who own a house or you want to itemize their deductions, they use Schedule A. And then, you know, by the time you get to Schedule D is where capital gains, you know, all your stock and bond selling, all that things. Schedule C is your business income. 
So it's part of, most people don't bother to fill out Schedule C because if you're in TurboTax and you have your W-2, you're literally just like entering your numbers from your W-2, which your employer gives you. And then that's your, your covered for your 1040. But if you have a business, you're gonna to have to fill out that Schedule C, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and if you um, are a W-2 employee, so you work for an employer, but you're also doing some side hustle online, can you file both? Yes, yes, exactly. You, sh- you can and you should. Um, so uh, W-2 taxes, are, you know, it's a payroll, right? Like, you know, you have your paycheck every two weeks or however often you're getting paid. Your employer is automatically withholding all your taxes uh, from each paycheck based upon what you filled out on your uh, withholding uh, your W form W four form mm-hmm. with the Schedule C uh, business income. You are not. There's no tax being withheld on that, so you're responsible uh, for that. Uh, you want yeah. me to go into that now or save that for later? <laughs> <laughs> um, let, let's build up to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but no, this is really helpful. And so, yeah, you mentioned the LLC. You mentioned that you don't necessarily have to have an LLC to make money and start a business. Um, so if you don't file LLC formation yet, you're just making money on your own, you know, there's no structure to it. That is when you're a sole proprietor. So what does that mean? Uh, wh- how'd you explain that to our community, what a sole proprietor is? The simplest way to describe a sole is just a self-employed individual who uh, runs their own business, which isn't registered officially, but is still recognized in terms of like the IRS or any state uh, taxation authority will recognize a sole proprietor as you know an income generating, uh, and it's not really an entity, but, I think the biggest distinction is with an LLC, you are assigned uh, what they call an employee identification number, EIN. Mm-hmm. With a sole proprietor, you're essentially just doing business under your own name. You're on, yeah. or AKA DBA, doing business as under your under your social security number. Yeah. So you know, on that schedule C at the top, it asks like it'll ask for EIN or SSN. If you have an EIN, you put that. That's that's the LLC part of it. But if you don't, you just put your social security number. So that's now the IRS knows you're a sole proprietor and everything that's that you're going to report below that, your income and expenses, that's going to just flow through to your personal um, taxes. Definitely. Yeah. And I would just add for folks in the community who don't have social security numbers, um, you can use something called an ITIN, Individual Tax Identification Number, which you'd be using anyway for filing taxes. And is that correct too? You can use that as a for, to be a sole proprietor, right? Yeah, exactly. Whatever the whatever your assigned government identification number is, and yeah, it's the I ten yeah. or SSN. Yeah. So it's like you've got your ID number. It's either the social security number or your I ten, or if you filed as a business such as an LLC, you've got your employee employer identification number EIN, and would file under that. So that's kind of how you figure out what structure you're under for taxes, right? Correct. Yep. Okay, great. So we've got that figured out. So we know that like you can get started, even if you don't have an LLC, just operating as a sole proprietor. Um, at what point do you, um, at what point do you know when to file Schedule C? Because I know you mentioned like after you're making $400, you're supposed to report it. Is that the threshold when you should start attaching Schedule C to your taxes? So it depends on the net income, I think. Mm-hmm. So net income meaning all the money you make minus all the expenses. So, you know, whatever your, your net income is there. Um, yeah. You know, so let's say uh, like a coaching business, for example, right? You're going to have um, revenue from your clients. I guess they'll pay you through either PayPal or Venmo or some online, even Zelle, some people use. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so there's going to be a record of that now your bank or PayPal or something has that record of it so now the if the government really wanted to find out about it they would so it's like very few things are done through cash these days so Mm -hmm. the old days of the mafia (laughs) exchanging money isn't working in cash so you have a record of it digital record of it so you know that's going to be reported so you should start to track what expenses are you know put against that so uh let's say you'll have maybe some a website fee um maybe some different software subscriptions. If you have like, if you invested in like on a G Suite or um, what do you call some sort of email 
server, all those little expenses you should um, you should be tracking. So based upon that, if your net income, I, I can't really say a dollar threshold legally. If it's over four hundred dollars after after the your net income, you should be reporting it. So, but I, I honestly think most people don't really bother to do that. I think there's a report that came out only thirty. 36% of self-employed people don't report their income. Because I think the reason is because it's just so small. Mm -hmm. It's even if they were to report it, it would make a negligible impact on their overall financial situation. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's the long-winded answer that like, I think, I mean, if legally you're supposed to do it over $400. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it's like you should, but not everyone does it. and maybe the IRS isn't most likely to go after people making like $500 net, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a time cost for them to go and audit yeah. everybody, right? Like, so they'll, if like, you know, IRS, you know, they're, they're, they're just regular work, you know, workers too, right? So they're gonna try to, you know, find where they're actually gonna make an impact. And uh, if you're reporting Let's a more likely example for them to really care is if you're making like let's say 10, 15, up to fifty thousand, and then your expenses are maybe five to twenty thousand, right? So your net income ranges from like I don't know, uh, fifteen to twenty-five thousand or something. Mm -hmm. They may take a look at that just to make sure because that's that's enough net income to change your tax bracket. Yeah that's something they're going to look at. Like, are you just kind of playing? Are you like really fudging these numbers to move your tax bracket or is that actual business activity? Definitely. Yeah. And, and I mean, I would just add, you know, for our community, um, we're encouraging so many of you to learn how to increase income for purposes of building wealth. It's really the best way to be building wealth, investing, increasing income so that you can invest more too. And, and talk about how online business is a great way to do that. So the goal isn't just to make $500 a month or 400. It's like to get to that point you're talking about where you're having that like 10, 20, $30,000 and you're going to need to be filing taxes in that case. So might as well figure it out early, get the system set up so you don't have to deal with problems, right? And just have everything set up. So I'm glad we're taking time to learn today. And if you're listening that you're investing and learning about this time, uh, learning your time and learning about this. Um, great. Okay, so I would add to that too. Um, if they have, a, um, if you're gonna try to, a lot of people say like I, you know, I've heard people like, well, I had all these startup expenses that I used to like, you know, get my business off the ground, but I, I'm just gonna go and start reporting those, mm -hmm. and um, that's okay, that's allowed. But I would be careful to do that unless you have some income to show for it. Yeah. So that's you know, because a lot of people have startup expenses, but they haven't made any money. It depends on how early in the year. If it's like late in the year, it's allowed, I think, because it's justifiable that you just started the business. It's hard to, right. you know, but if it's like, if you made a bunch of startup expenses in January and February, and here we are in December, you still haven't made any money yet. Um, just, you know, check with a professional before, depending on how much is going to be expensed before whether, before you just expense it, you know. That's a really good point. Yeah, you wanna you wanna be making money. Um, that so that brings up deductions. I think that was something we wanted to talk about too, and would love to hear your, your thoughts more. Um, from what I've learned, it's it's a really great way to lower your taxable income to be able to write off expenses in your business. So yeah, what would you recommend on that topic? Yeah, I mean the the U.S. tax code is built is based upon getting deductions, especially business deductions, because um, they have their own like they have their own schedule. They're independent of uh, some of the other things. So of course it's reasonable and, and valid business deductions. The, some of the most common ones um, are rent. These days, many, most people are not spending money on the office. Even our office, we downsize significantly. Um, so if you're working from home, which I, I think is the case for most people, um, what people do is like they generally prorate. Um, there's there's like a deduction that IRS called like it's, I need to figure out the exact calculation, but essentially you just take the square footage of your working space in your home and multiply that by a certain number, and then most people were able to deduct a couple hundred from their uh, on their on their taxes just for that. If you work
Um, so other ones would be, uh, like I said, mentioned the software subscriptions, that's valid. If you, if you purchase a laptop or a device, like a phone or something, let's say you're recording things, um, this is where you have to, what they call, calculate your business use of that, of that product. So, uh, which is hard to do, I know. <laughs> so you have, the IRS allows some safe harbor for you to kind of guesstimate it. Um, I would just tell people like keep like an estimate of like, let's say using that uh, business mixed use device, 25% of it for business. So basically the cost of that you can expense um, 25%. This is more for the phone. I think for laptops, that's justifiable business expense in most cases. You can just yeah. deduct that uh, wholeheartedly. Yeah, and there's also things like printers, um, I mean, gas, if you're traveling for your business, right? Like uh, travel costs, meals that are business related. There's a lot you can put down for business deductions. Yes, that's true. Yeah, I, I need to get into those detailed ones. So, I mean, the I'll say the mileage one, uh, there's a standard mileage that IRS allows two ways for you to expense. I would just, there's, a, there's the actual method versus the mileage method. I definitely recommend the mileage method because the actual method, you have to track every little thing. And it, unless it, it makes sense if you have the capacity to do that, but the IRS just said, look, here's like the standard mileage rate, just track how many miles you drove your car for. <laughs> Uh, yeah. purpose and just multiply it by that. People can deduct a couple hundred from that usually. And yeah. then meals, I wanted to add, um, because of that December law that passed, their IRS is allowing, it used to be you can only deduct 50% of your business meals. They're allowing 100% of wow. business meals just for 2021 to encourage people to uh, go and spend money on takeout and these struggling business, struggling restaurants. Okay, yeah. interesting. And uh, will we make sure I'm, I'm explaining this right to our community? So in my understanding, the, the reason why writing, off, writing down business expenses and, and putting them um, in, in your tax reporting is so great is because it lowers the total amount of your business income that you're paying taxes on. You, you, you pay taxes on like basically the money you make minus the expenses in your business. Is that right? So you're paying like less taxes overall on the money you made? Correct. Yes. So let's say you make 10,000 and you're on your side business. And then, uh, and you know, when you, as, as you, when you're a W2 worker, you think like, oh man, I got to pay taxes on 10,000. I didn't, I never, I didn't anticipate that, but that's where the deductions come in. So all these things we're talking about, um, which are reported on the schedule C, you, those are all expensive. Let's say you can, you can get them down. You can you have maybe three thousand business expenses. So then you're only paying tax on the uh, on the seven thousand. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and that that's a huge advantage um, that business owners get in the tax system, and is another incentive for entrepreneurship and and having a business as a way to build wealth. Um, we've had a question come in. I'd like to read if that's okay. Yeah. Um, uh, Nina, thanks for being here, Nina. Nina asked, can you give a crash course on how to get started on reporting taxes for the first time as a business owner? Parentheses, what info do we need to consider, et cetera? What are the pros and cons for being an LLC versus sole proprietor? Sorry if these questions are so elementary. I'm super new to this. Oh, oh those, are, those are very important and targeted questions, actually. Yeah. Um, let me answer the LLC question first, because I keep mentioning it. The benefit of an LLC is the, uh, I mentioned legal liability, but that doesn't help much. It's um, let's, that EIN number, if you're trying to get like a, uh, a bank account set up for the business or a credit card, or um, the bank will require an EIN number, which is associated mm -hmm. with the LLC. Other things with the LLC is if let's say you want to hire someone to work in your business, you know, in order to establish like a payroll, you, you know, you generally need an EIN number. Even if you want to hire contractors to help with kind of ad hoc things here and here and there, having the LLC pay them is so much more um, clean, if you will. It's it's, it's like they always say like I think Mitt Romney said years ago that corporations are people so it's like the, the that EIN the LLC is essentially another person right. that that you own it sounds sounds weird to say it like that but um that's there's just some clean it, it just it makes it distinct in the terms of um you know uh the, the government and other banks and the financial system in general when you have a, a separation between you and the business yeah 
So it's like they're responsible, not you, for everything related to the business. It's not on you. It's on it's on the business. It is, yeah. I mean, if something really bad happens, you're still on the hook because you're the only owner of that LLC. <laughs> but yeah. at least you're able to get some limited liability protection. So yeah. Um. So the uh, the other question she had was, uh, how do you get started? Um. So let's say you, let's a hypothetical example. Let's say you started the, a, a business in 2020, in 2020, like sometime last year. Uh, let's say it was March. Let's say you started to make money in September, but you had some upfront costs um, you know, throughout the summer. So by year end, you had uh, about $1,000 net income. So that's, that's what's left over after like your profit minus expenses. Um, so this, so this is the first time you're going to have to be doing a tax return for 2021. So you're essentially going to, if you're using a TurboTax, I use that example a lot. When you go through the wizard, it asks, one of the questions it asks, did you start a business this year? And then you say yes. And then it'll open up the wizard and it'll ask you to enter, um, okay, what's the income from that business? And you put that there. And then it'll ask you what expenses for the business and you enter those. And then it'll automatically generate that in and uh, put that to the front of it. That's the very simplistic example if you're just starting. Like I think inherent, I think the question inherent in that question was, is there anything you need to do before you start making money? And the answer is not really. I think yeah. you need to start a business and get it going and then you and then you start reporting it. I appreciate you saying that because I, I that's a big fear people have that I've heard that they're afraid to experiment with business because of all this unknown tax stuff. And so you all just heard an accountant say there's not really much you have to do with taxes before you start making money. It's like that first year that you've started making money, in this case, it net over $400 um, at tax time. So the, the next April, it's due is when you have to figure this stuff out, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like, I mean, December 31st, you start to, I mean enjoy your new year's party <laughs> and then <laughs> the next few days that week just go and close the books and see how much you actually made um like, let's say flash forward in 2022 that same individual in this example who started the business in 2020 is now making you know ten thousand uh, net so that's after tax after the deduction after expenses sorry um now you're at that point where you're you're it's going to be a shock to you when you, if you just follow the, oh, I just filed April 15th. That's when a lot of entrepreneurs get shocked. Like, oh my God, I owe all these taxes. I don't have like this money sitting around. That's where the concept of the quarterly uh, taxes comes into play. So once, if you can reasonably forecast that you're going to be, uh, you know, owing that, you know, making that kind of money, you should, every time you get paid, you should just kind of set aside somehow, uh, you know, maybe 20, 30% of that income, to pay in taxes. Um, and what the IRS wants you to do is pay that quarterly to them. There's like a, it's, it's not that complicated. You just have to go to the IRS website. There's like a form you fill out. I'm sure we can send some links Adina, to the- Yeah. But yeah, that, that's kind of getting ahead, but that's that's when you pay it quarterly. I think a lot of people freak out. They're like, oh, I need to pay taxes quarterly. I don't even make money. It's like, if you're not making money, you don't, there's no, <laughs> you don't have to pay right. unless you want to, because then you'll just get a refund for all that. But there's, you wouldn't, you need that money to build your business. You don't need that money to give to the IRS for no reason. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So you're only paying the quarterly taxes if you're making money. So only it's kind of like more money, more problems. People say like, this is stuff you only got to worry about if you're making profit, which is a good problem to have. And we can help you with that, you know, um, and figure that out once you get there, like just get started to, to begin with. But the quarterly taxes, yeah, how do you figure out exactly how much to send each quarter? And you do, you do state and federal, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. That's a good point. Yeah, state and federal. Um, so the, there's like, there are, there are official calculators on the IRS website. And I think you can just honestly Google, like, how much do I need to withhold? Um, it, rather than overdo it that just like I said just keep maybe like every like if someone you get paid from a coaching client uh, $500 I don't know just you know keep about a hundred of of that you know in like just you don't have to keep a separate bank account or anything just keep it like just you know maybe mark it on a spreadsheet that like $100 this is saved for taxes when I have to pay them 
Mm -hmm. um, that's just like a simple way to do it. It's just so you know, you're not so just so you're not surprised um, when you actually file your taxes. Yep, definitely. Great. So we've talked about um, LLC versus sole proprietor. We've talked about Schedule C. We've talked about quarterly taxes. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover before we get to resources for how to get help with taxes? I know we have a question in the chat on that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. So, yeah, I took a few notes here. Yeah, so I know we talk mainly about sole proprietorship and LLC. There's also some considerations when it comes to partnerships and uh, S-Corps and uh, C-Corps. Um, I'm not sure if anyone in the audience is doing this. I think maybe the partnership might uh, apply here. Yeah. Partnerships are essentially, uh, they're, they're like LLCs, but they have more than one member in the LLC. So when you create an LLC, it asks you who's the member, any other members. Um, in this case, it's just the, you put yourself in partnership, you put yourself and some other people. That's great, but you have to, now there's another level of compliance and there's a whole other set of tax forms you have to fill out. Um, I probably won't, I don't think we have time to get into all the details of that, but that's just something to consider when it comes to that. Same thing with the S Corp, S as in, you know, it means subchapter S of the IRS code. Um, that S, that's another tax form for that. And then the C Corp, which is for, by far the more most complex, which is very popular for companies like startups who would tend to get bought out or uh, they want to issue equity or shares easily. That's what that's for. I think the purpose of this conversation is um, mainly sole proprietors. Solopreneurs is either just a sole proprietor, which is reported under your ITIN or social security number or LLC, which is under your EIN. Yeah. Is there any reason why someone starting an online business for like coaching courses, dropshipping kind of thing, um, Etsy, any reason they should think about S Corp or C Corp? Uh, not really. I, I, S Corp maybe, but only if you're making a lot of money, like if you're making six figures or even high five figures, like 70, 80,000 in something like that, you can possibly justify uh, S Corp. S Corp is not a different legal entity. It's just a designation. It has, you have to be an LLC, first of all. And then you basically write a letter. It's like a form you fill out and you send to the IRS says, I want to be taxed as an S Corp. What that does is it helps you to uh, deduct half of your self-employment taxes roughly uh, as an S Corp. But the caveat is you have to put yourself on payroll as you know, someone who's active in the active shareholder in the business. And you have to pay yourself a, what they call a reasonable compensation, which is a high audit target by the IRS. So if you were not making enough to do that, then I wouldn't advise um, bothering with the S-Corp election. Just stick to the you know, LLC or sole prop report on Schedule C. Um, yeah, that, that's what I would um, recommend. Definitely. Um, we had a question. How much does an online business have to make before it is mandatory to file taxes and report the income? Um, yeah, so like legally it's $400. Yeah. Um, and, and I know net. that, I'm sorry? Sorry, net. Net, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. If it's net, if it's under, if you made less than that, um, if you got $400 uh, and then you, spent $300, meaning you had $100 left over. I mean, like legally, I have to say you have to report taxes, but it, it's such a small amount. Uh, I don't see that really being an issue. Like I'd say just keep, continue growing the business and try to get, you know, double, triple that. And then I think it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that answers your question, Nina. Um, and then we had Claudia ask the question, Hello, I have a question and looking for a tax professional. Is there a search, search engine to make a search or a best way to choose a professional? Are there certain questions we should be asking when looking? Thank you. Uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's lots of like find a CPA or find a accountant type things. Uh, I, I'll be honest, I, I, haven't, I haven't really um, used any of them. Um, you know, in our network, we rely on other CPAs just because we're we all know we we, we know <laughs> we all work together, know each other stuff. Um, 
it, it's really it's really hard to hard to recommend uh, like a search engine to how to find someone. Um, I, I know like you know uh, in TurboTax and some H and R Block, like they have I think uh, accounting or tax experts to answer questions. I haven't used them myself. Um, I hear this fine. I, I you know um, I had a few colleagues who actually did like that service just kind of like some side money. A lot of these are like retired CPAs and things who just, you know, a couple hundred bucks uh, every month, every week or whatever, depending on how many, how much volume they have. Um, but uh, I'm sure, sorry, I can't recommend, uh, I don't know how they are myself though. <laughs> yeah, and with a lot of these things, it's the same thing with finding an immigration attorney where um, word of mouth is gonna be really important and like reputation in your local community talking to other people who've had good experiences. Um, you can look on Yelp and see reviews. Always make sure the person's licensed. Um, I don't know if, if there's some kind of like license as a CPA people tend to have in their office like a lawyer would have. Yeah, yeah. And so like in, in for, it's a little different in the, in the tax, tax preparer. So there's, um, there's different levels like CPA is honestly it's a little overdone like a lot of cpas don't even do they're nothing to do with taxes they do audit they do like sec compliance all sorts of things um the your better options are ea it's is a, a enrolled agent which is someone who's uh, licensed specifically by the irs to prepare and give tax advice there's also licensed uh, uh tax preparers um which is, i think is done by some independent nonprofit. um and I think those those are the designations out there. Uh, and then uh, and to, to even like file taxes on behalf of taxpayers, you do have to have, you know, certain, uh, what do you call it, PTIN numbers, uh, paid tax preparer. I, I forgot what it stands for. I have a PTIN, but I don't know what it stands for. But that's like what the IRS requires for you to even file taxes on, be, on behalf of anybody. Okay. So that, that's helpful to know that they have to have that number to be able to file. Um, we've also, we were emailing earlier about how the IRS has the volunteer income tax assistant or VITA program. And that's a program where you can get, uh, look for free tax help. It's generally for people who make um, about $56,000 or less is what I saw on the website. People with disabilities, um, taxpayers with limited English. So you can just type in VITA um, IRS and a website will come up that shows you like how to find one in your area. So that can be helpful as well. Um, but I know you were giving a tip too that like that makes more sense if you have a simple financial situation. Yeah, I think so. And you know, when I say simple, it's so what some people consider simple is just the W-2 income or if you're like, you know, someone with a fixed income, like a, a lot of retirees use that service as well. But I think it, it might even apply to some of the folks on, on the webinar too, because, uh, you, you know, your, your business is simple enough where you really have one revenue stream and then a simple set of expenses. So that's, I, I'm not sure if, they, I think, I'm not sure how it works. So when you register, but they might be willing, I think they would still help be able to help. Yeah. Awesome. Great. Well, if anyone has um, any final questions, please go ahead and put in the chat before we wrap up. And um, just in the meantime, you know, it, I think from from what you've shared, it, it shows that this doesn't have to be something super scary and overwhelming. Taxes should not be a reason that you should avoid starting a business. Like it's something to just figure out once you're making money, which is a good problem to have. Anything you want to add on, on that so that people um, don't hold themselves back because of taxes? Uh, I'd say just two rules of thumb I, I keep to when I speak to new entrepreneurs is like, one, only spend money on things that will reasonably be revenue generating, like you know, sales, marketing, maybe hiring a contractor that, that will help you out with something. If you have, if you're big enough that you have someone who's actually doing work that is revenue generating, like a bill of all type thing, and uh, and and when it comes to like the business cycle, uh, the cycle of a business throughout a year, I'd say devote the first nine months to making money. Don't necessarily work about worry about taxes as much. Do try to set aside that that you know 20, 30 percent, but devote nine months to making money. Uh, while you're doing that, do identify expenses that are useful but not immediately necessary. 
And then the fourth quarter, you know, um, October, November, December, as the year is wrapping up, start to look at your situation and then say, okay, if I made a lot of money, like that 10,000, for example, okay, now focus on spending. All those things that you identified earlier in the year, but weren't sure about at that time, now is the time to go ahead and make those investments. Because one, it's gonna, sounds like these things you would done enough research on, you see that they're justifiable, that they will help you make money in the business. And two, you get those as tax deductions or business deductions on your Schedule C. Yeah. So it's win-win. And then come January, you're gonna, your business will be in a good place to start, uh, start fresh and then follow that cycle every year. <laughs> totally. And, and that helps you keep more of the money that you make while you're also investing in the, in the business. And you just made some really, really good points. I want to underscore more um, this idea that like focus on what's going to make money. I think a lot of uh, new business owners get caught up in all the stuff that people are telling you online you have to do like social media and, um, you know, all of these things that can kind of be, they're important, but they can be distractions or like maybe uh, not necessarily going to directly lead to money. Like just because you have a, a lot of people following you doesn't mean you're making money. You have to have an offer. You have to be um, selling. You have to learn the skill set of selling and, and focus on making profit. So thank you for giving that advice. And, um, and then I just love the idea you emphasize of the business deductions and expenses and this this idea of how important it is to invest in your business too, so that it can continue growing and growing. Um, any thoughts on like why it's so important to in invest in your business in order to make more money? Or like, cause you have to kind of flip when you're a business owner spending money to make more. Yeah, I know that, that's, that, that's the old saying, right? You have to spend money to make money. And that's true when it comes to direct costs, like things that are gonna be revenue generating. Um, you know, but when it comes, uh, a lot of people, I was talking to, uh, uh, you know, someone the other day that they, um, they were new at this and everything they got, you know, I felt bad for them, but, they, you know, they kind of didn't understand and they invested a bunch of accounting software, like $2,000 worth of accounting software. And I was like, what money do you have to account for? <laughs> yeah. You know, that, whatever, you know, so that's, that, that's not necessary you know like people the quickbooks a lot of people say i need to get my quickbooks so i can keep track of my accounting i was like when you're this early on you just need to keep a spreadsheet it's not that oh. difficult do keep all your receipts like that's a typical cpa thing to say and yeah. these days it's so easy you just everything is in pdf or it gets emailed to you so just keep a folder on your computer or on your inbox that that's this that's this so that's that's it's so easy to keep receipts these days but um, yeah, exactly. So just spend money on like things that will make you money. <laughs> yes. Always ask, is it going to make me more money? <laughs> and, yeah. um, and we have one final question for you and then we'll let you go. Um, so Rafael asked, at what point should a business owner consider looking for a CPA? Um, I think when it gets more complex uh, than you can handle. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, there's a certain point when you're, you're, you are, you're having like multiple works, like in revenue streams, like maybe you'll have a coaching business, but you also have other, uh, like a drop shipping, or maybe you've uh, taken money you've made in your regular job and bought real estate and then starting to do uh what's the word, uh, Airbnb or something, or there's some people who are Uber drivers. I actually have a client who's doing all these things. Wow. And, um, <laughs> and this, yeah, this guy, he, he makes, he just loves working. He's a, you know, He's, uh, he's from Egypt. He just he just likes working. So <laughs> anyway, so he has all these different revenue lines. So now he has like I think four or five revenue streams and different costs for each of those. So keeping track of allocating costs against all of those is kind of a nightmare. So he definitely needs um, our help to keep track of the bookkeeping, yeah. keeping track of each of these different revenue streams. So when he reports on his schedule, he has multiple schedule C's in this example that we have to report. And, and each of those expenses have to be categorized accordingly. So when you need help, you know, cleaning up your books, cleaning up your situation, making sure that you're correctly, you know, you have each business in its own column that's okay. reported clean, in a clean manner. That's, that's an example of, it's got, clearly gotten out of hand for this guy. So he needed us to to help with that. Good problem to have. And so you, you can have multiple streams of income um, and still file. Is it like under one LLC or, or does he 
someone have multiple LLCs? So they, that depends. So typically you're supposed to do one LLC per uh, business type. If they're related enough, then you can do it under the same LLC. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, uh, there's someone who uh, they're not, a, they're not a coaching business, but they do like a consulting for uh, medical companies. That's her, uh, that's her main source of income. Uh, but then she also has two other revenue lines. One is she has like this website where she does like um, little, she creates these little compliance forms for different medical professionals to use. And then she does uh, her passion project, which is um, something in, in a very specific niche. So essentially it's all under the same LLC. She make the most money from that first one, some money from the second one, and essentially use those to finance her passion project. Oh yeah. It's all part of the same LLC. And, Got it. Uh, okay. yeah. But in order to keep track of that, it, you know, it's a lot of work and that's why she has us do that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, multiple streams of income, great way to be building wealth too and diversifying. So you're not reliant on just one source of income and be prepared for as the market changes, the economy. So that's great. Um, Mayor, thank you so much for your time and generosity to share this incredibly valuable information with our community. Um, is there anything final you want to add to the group? Uh, yeah, no, I, um, I think that was that was most of it. But if they have any questions, um, uh, feel, I think they have my contact info. Um, you know, they'll feel free to reach out to me that way, or they can just ask you, Adina, and, and you can pass it along. And uh, yeah. If, yeah, where can people find you and follow you? Oh, right. Yeah. So our, our firm name is Fin Conoso. It's F-I-N-C-O-N-O-S-O. Uh, we you know you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, our main places. We have a YouTube page where I need to get our stuff back on there. But uh, yeah, no, so uh, those are the, yeah, that's the easy way, easiest way to find us. And um, I'm, my information is linked through all of those as well. If it's not me, one of someone from our team. Uh, regularly checks all that stuff especially now during tax season <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure you're busy well thank you especially for making the time during the start of tax season um several people are saying thank you in the comments so thanks again um from the bottom of our hearts to immigrant finance and our community uh we really appreciate having this knowledge so thank you and have a great night all right thank you okay thanks Thanks so much for listening to the Immigrant Finance Show. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already and leave us a review so we can reach more people to help. Also, did you know we started a free Facebook group for immigrant families who want to build generational wealth? We're doing free monthly trainings covering everything from investing to online business. Plus, you will be in there with a network of other inspiring members of our community. Make sure to join us at facebook.com slash groups slash immigrant finance. And we'll see you there.